right, y'all. Once again, welcome to another episode of the Ball Never Lie podcast. You guys already know the deal. I am one half of the host. I am the coach here. Luke Foe, man. What up? We here. Yes, sir. As you guys know, it's, it's good playoff basketball right now. We just want to thank y'all, everybody who's been tapping in with us, all to our, our newer rookie listeners as well. Make sure you guys continue to spread the word. Subscribe to the podcast, man. We'll be appreciated all. Yes, sir. Welcome in. Let's let's get straight to it, though. You know, we had the playoffs, um, a lot going on, but we'll start with like more of like the current event. So Team USA, um, we had a couple guys commit. Um, Curry and Donovan Mitchell didn't commit. Excuse me. So um, with the roster, the way it already looks with Bam, KD, um, did Harding commit? I think he committed, right? James Harden also committed to the team. Yeah. So with those guys, um, I know Damian Lillard and Bradley Bill committed last week. So with those guys, I don't really see us having a problem. So that's Team USA for you. How how you feel about uh, our squad and you know um, maybe some of the Euro teams like gearing up? What's your thoughts? Man, I definitely like the the overall the international play. I like. I'm glad that Team USA, of course, is going to win gold. I'm not worried about that. My only thing is, it's, it's kind of funny how a lot of these guys who are complaining about the 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 course of the season and and some of those dudes dealing with the injuries are also committing to Team USA to play. So that whole a lot of their arguments of of injuries throughout the season is kind of like null and void to me at this point. But I am glad nah, to that's see. Real. I'm, I am glad to see a, a lot of our talent stepping up, especially our last performance. I know it was just the World Basketball Championship. It wasn't the Olympics. But no matter what, we put a team out there to hoop. I'm, I'm expecting us to win first place regardless. So Coach Popovich is at the helm. For those who, who forgot, Coach K has retired from um, USA basketball. So looking forward to it. I want to see how they how they round out their, their roster. We also have Jason Tatum on the roster, too. He committed to play, so. Looking forward to see him continue to hoop. And so it, it, it looks good. It's starting out so good so far, man. What you think of the roster so far? It's cool, but I, I kind of want to, you know, take this a little further because I, I don't really see the talk anymore. You kind of brought up the injuries, and I agree with that. That shows how the players are pretty hypocritical. But with Tokyo banning all the Black Lives Matter and all that, what happened to all our activists? We're like, now we're just going to keep playing and nothing happens. Like, What's going on with that? I I really want an explanation of that because I'm confused. Maybe it's something I don't know. Maybe they have something planned. Or maybe they just, you know, let it go. But for me, with all, you know, we stopped the league after um, George Floyd had his incident. And, you know, that was rightfully so. And we're all behind the NBA players. And, you know, there's a lot of things that went on with activism and some guys took it further, like Kyrie, been taking a little too. Not, I'm not gonna say too far because that that's insensitive. But you know what I mean. Like he's take he's pushing the narrative further. So if right. we're gonna push the narrative, and you know we're really gonna be you know about this, and you know be pro black and all that. Why why are we playing in Tokyo? I really want to know that, especially since Team USA is gonna be. Like, I can't think of a white dude that's going to be on our squad. So it is going to be 12 black dudes from, from what I can think of right now. And that just confu- yeah. that confuses me. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point, man. First of all, I can't picture Team USA putting, like, Joe Harris out there and, and four other white guys as a starting five. But, but that is definitely true, man, because I definitely do. I'm glad you brought that point up because I do remember Tokyo saying they were going to ban any protests Black Lives Matters during the Olympics. and that was definitely a head scratcher for me, also as well. Yeah, they, you know, they're bla- they're banning even putting up the fist, bro. So, if they're that strict, what are we doing there? Like, what? Are, why are the guys that have been, you know, like I said, preaching all season? Why? Why are they now? I'm not gonna call it backtracking, but I don't like. I don't know. I don't know what the word is. Like, maybe, maybe it is backtracking. Like, why are they going back on? everything they just fought for and how, you know, we've been talking about, um, we've been talking about just like 
you know, equality. just moving forward. Yeah, equality. Like, I just don't get it. What What are we doing? And why are we playing? Like, I really, it's like I want to pose a question for, like, Team USA to answer. Like, I want to hear, you know, people's thoughts because it seems like Tokyo did that and everybody was just quiet. And then when the season's over, it's like, oh, I'm playing. It's like, what? So we only against a white man that's, you know, oppressing us? Like, I, I don't get it. No, nah, that's that's definitely uh, an interesting point, interesting question, because I I would like to know the reason behind that also as well. So definitely some some questions leading up to the to the games got to be answered. Hopefully somebody in the media who has access to Team USA will, will bring up these these concerns. And, and hopefully we do get a straight up answer out of it, too. Yeah. But on a lighter note, I know you were there this weekend. Um, the Drew League has officially started out here in Los Angeles. Um, you know, everybody knows it's a fun time. It's, you know, it's highlight reels, all that. How was weekend number one? How, how was your experience? Oh, man. So went down to the Drew League on what was the first day on a Saturday, man. And they got like the vibes, man. I am first and foremost, shout out to, to everybody we know that's participating in the Drew League, who's at, who's either coaching, either playing in the Drew League. Um, definitely just salute to, to all, all the homies for that. But it, it was fun, man. I just I just love watching hoop, man. Like, for those who love watching hoops, you can get down to the Drew League. It's not at King Drew High School like how it usually is. It's at St. John Bosco. A little bit of further a drive, about 10, 15 minutes away, but I love the atmosphere. Everybody's just there to to watch to watch basketball. Luckily, I was able to see a couple of LA Hoopers. For those who don't know, the Hamilton brothers: Jordan Hamilton, Daniel Hamilton, Isaac Hamilton, and they took care of business. Um, didn't stay the whole day just because it was our Juneteenth celebration. So went to do a whole bunch of extracurricular activities that day, have fun. But I, this is the official start of the summer, man. For those for those who know me, you know I love just going down to the Drew. Watching hoops give me a, a good classic Drew A. Didn't have one this weekend, but expecting to have one in the future. But man, just just the hoops overall, man, it, it's fun. And one person in particular I want to shout out, man, is one of my former teammates, Adamasu Williams, Big Adam, out there, player of the game against. I want to say it was against the Big Ballers, so against the Bars team. So salute for that. Had a tw- had a twenty two and twelve game. So salute to my my big fella for that. But I definitely just want to advise if anybody from L.A. or, or whoever's in L.A. Can, can get a chance, man. It's free hoops. Go down there. Have some respect. You can you can talk shit. Have for the players, man. Just do it with all and fun, man. And, and they go talk shit back to you as long as you keep it within the guidelines, man. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited to, you know, get it going. I usually probably go like week four when it really gets cracking, but. You know, it's it's a lot of hoop that's going to go on regardless. So you can go down to the Drew League. You're going to watch the playoffs. Obviously, um, we're going to have the Olympics. So basketball is all year, basically, this year. So that's that's going to be fun. But yes, sir. we got more things with the news and current events. Um, you already know this is my main reason for criticizing Trey Young other than his attitude, um, his little, you know, fall into a shot or basically try to manipulate refs to get a foul. They're going to look into that rule this summer um, during the offseason. How do you feel about it? Thank God, finally. I'm tired of this this non-basketball act and just the flailing and, and, and the bullshit shots being rewarded as for free throws or even if you make the shot as a continuation but knowing you weren't making a basketball move. And Trey Young's not the only one. James Harden's been doing it for years, been manipulating the refs. And we're starting to see more players catch on to it. It's one of those things where I got to say, I can't hate the player. I got to hate the game for allowing it to go on this longer, this much long. But at the same time, hopefully we can get this under control, man, because I hate it. It's not basketball. You coming off the screen, someone, you you just stop on a dime and, and figure, I'm going to just throw some shit up at the rim. and the refs are rewarding it, but yet someone can come down. I can watch Joel Embiid come down and literally get fouled, pushed to the ground, and the refs just said, hey, it's a play on. So it's always been an inconsistency. That was um, as far as just the, the cause that the refs are giving this playoffs. That's been my whole criticism of the postseason. But, but 
that's one rule I would like them to look at. Another one I want them to also look at is that that open court, like intentional foul. I'm so sick and tired of seeing that shit that just slows down. That's slowing down the game of basketball, and that just stops a, a three on three on one fast break or a two on one fast break. I would like to see the the NBA rest if a player does commit that intentional foul just by reaching in or or slapping their jersey or whatever, slapping their back. I would rather the NBA to just let that play go. If it has no ill effect on stopping the basketball or for the defense to gain momentum back into stopping a play, I think they just need to let that foul go and just and just let continuation happen because too many times dudes are just fouling for no reason instead of getting back on defense or even trying to play defense, and it's annoying. That slows down the game as well as anything. So hopefully they can they can nip that one in the bud too. Yeah, or just call it a um. Uh, I lost my word. What is it called? A um. An open? No, not an open court foul. What is it? I can't think right now. Is it the uh, the clear path? Clear path. Boom. Just call it every time it happens. Just call it a clear path. Whether he's a foot ahead of him or a foot behind him, we don't need to do the yeah. the, the, the replay anymore. Let's get straight to the intentional clear path foul and get the two free throws. Gotta make guys stop doing it. Yeah, but man. For the um, for the shot foul, I just want to point out this is exactly what I was talking about. You know, mid season, pretty much all season, when I said I'm not gonna, you know, kill the refs anymore. It's it's on the players as well. And I was, you know, how we we were debating how hard it is to ref and all that. What did I say? I said during the lockout, what guys need to do is, you know, propose rules or um, you know, hold refs accountable before then but don't you know don't call them out when you know they can't talk back so now that they're changing in the summer the rules or they're at least going to look at it this is all we ever needed it it shouldn't get to this but I'm glad that there is going to be a rule change and possibly you know more rule changes if this runs smoothly this is all we ever asked for and this is why I say the players like they run the league but when it comes to certain things they act like they have no power they could have been had power in this. It took for Steve Nash to say it's non-basketball, all the fans complaining, all the coaches complaining for it to finally change. Players just need to step up, excuse me, and, you know, be honest and say what's not, you know, what's not basketball and what's not working in the league for the league to be better for all of us. Yeah, man, I definitely just, I think you just hit the nail on the head. And it's funny that that you bring up the shooting rule. I just remember that the true league. It was about it was in the fourth quarter too. Somebody pulled that shit off, and the dude ended up banking the shot, and the refs called it, called it a foul and won. And the players going at the ref, and the coach like, "How is that a foul?" And even the ref on the sideline who's preparing the ref the next game was like, "That shouldn't have been a foul." And if anything, you call that side out. So it's definitely a a, a trick of the trade, man, and and something we got to get get a hold of and start and start like we said, policing this better and and get this out the game so we can just get get the straight straight hooping. Yeah, man. I can't wait for that. But you know what we're here for. Let's rub our hands. Let's 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 prepare it, man. We had our second round. We had a couple eliminations. Obviously a couple teams moved forward. A couple disappointments. Let's talk about it, but where do you want to start? Because you know there's a lot to unpack here. So where do you want to start? What team? What what series, whatever. You know where I'm going to start. We start in the Eastern Conference. We are starting okay. with Philly and Atlanta. I'm saying yep. this now. Everybody wants to 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 shit on, and everybody wants to, to shame Ben Simmons for not shooting the ball. But guess what? And, and rightfully so. He deserves part blame for this. But y'all missing the main culprit once again, man. Y'all are letting Doc Rivers, excuse me, Y'all are letting Glenn Rivers off the hook once again. And it's so I'm so happy that even Josh Smith and his Instagram rant brought this up, how it needs to be a fire lit under his ass for, for once again blowing another series. And I say I blame Doc more than anybody because, one, nobody knows his team better than the own coach, his or her own team than, than a coach. So for Doc Rivers uh, just a couple weeks ago to come out and say and tell us, hey, 
I'm going to keep Ben Simmons in. Why would I take him out the game? He does so many great things for us. And he specifically said, you don't know basketball if you're questioning on why Ben Simmons should, should, stay, should stay in the game or why would I take him out. Fast forward, they lose game seven. And right up to that post-game conference, all of a sudden, you you throw this man under the bus and say, I don't know if I can win a championship, but there's a man out point guard. You left him out there. Who else is there to blame? You, If we can see it, you damn sure have seen it. And you've seen it the whole year. So, I guess everybody can get mad at Ben Simmons not shooting the ball. My question is, why is he out there in the first place when you need points? He is a liability on offense. Everybody who's ever said that he's the next LeBron James, that I I hope y'all are still deleting them tweets right now because y'all sound dumb as hell for, for bringing that up. And, and again, for Dr. Blue, another serious lead, this man's been living off a championship ring since 08, so that's about 13 years now. He got to be called out. Doc is a fraud. Simple as that. We've been saying it for for many for for those who've known us. We've been saying it for many years since we've started this podcast. We've been saying this since day one. I will keep saying it. Doc is a great motivational speaker. I'm glad he's a voice for our black players in the league and for for us as black people because everybody loves Doc. But damn it, when the, when you get into the trenches and the it gets thick, I I don't trust. I don't trust Doc Rivers more than I trust a $3 bill. Yeah, I mean, it's honestly like being a dead horse, you know, even talking about Doc Rivers, because we already know he's a fraud. I really, like, I want to know, does he have, like, voodoo on him or something? Like, does he have some type of karma that he hasn't dealt with? Like, it's (laughs) something like, it's like to the point where it's not even funny anymore. Like, let's be honest, you know, salute to the Hawks salute to Nate McMillan but there's no way in hell they should have won this series now we all know okay maybe they probably would have lost to the Bucks. I'm pretty sure everybody kind of had that thought but this series was no way especially with Joel Embiid I mean he was injured but even with Joel Embiid that was supposed to be like easy peasy you know maybe in five or six but there was no way the way that it happened or the whole way it went down should have went that way and then people are kind of sleep, you know, because Danny Green has had a better year than last year. Danny Green was missing. That was an important piece, man. I'm glad uh, you said that. Yeah, it, it sucks for the Sixers, but, man, like I said, it it's no way that should have happened at all. Like, I, at thought all. Danny, I thought Danny Green was missing in game four when they lost and also game five when they were up big. I'm sorry, not game four. I think it was game three that they lost. One of those games they lost in Atlanta. I thought Danny, they had a double-digit lead. I think Danny Green just that calming voice to a group of players who haven't been there on that state on that stage as far as the championship stage and gone and gotten out of the second round, especially someone who's won three rings for three different championship organizations. That says a lot. He can bring more to the table and can help those players than Doc can, because Doc hasn't even been that that far to the finals with different organizations and different groups of teams. Yeah. I mean, I really don't know, bro. I'm not like, of course, this, the blame is on Doc and, you know, we're always going to clown him for this. But this is it's just it's more embarrassing to me. Like, I, I think I might still be in shock because I haven't, you know, fully gone crazy. But I I think this is a 50 50. I think it's Doc and Ben Simmons at the end of the day. Y'all can hype up his defense, whatever. That's cool. But at the end of the day, this is an offensive league. You see Kawhi, he started off as a defensive player, gradually became this mid-range goddamn dog. All these guys <laughs> that play defense, like, we got to be real. There's no guy in the league other than maybe, like, Torrey Craig. And even now, I don't know how, but he's hitting threes. But there's no guy in the league that just is strictly defense and nothing else. you got to have some type of offensive game now, bro. That's just how the league is. I think a lot of people are stuck in 2010 and back where you could have a guy that plays nothing but defense and doesn't have to score. But that ain't this league, bro. You're going to get exposed. They're going to stag off of you and double team others. It's just so many schemes that'll change a game for a guy that can't hoop or offensively. So I want to pose a question 
you know, because there's many endless opportunities or endless trades that can happen. Do you now trade Ben Simmons? Do you blow up the team? What do you do with the Sixers? I just know one thing. If the Sixers decide to trade trade um, Ben Simmons, the Lakers bet not pick up that goddamn phone at all. And we'll get to that another day. But yeah. I, 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 the, the Sixers, from what they say now, of course they're going to say this now, and it sounds good, that they're fully committed to Ben Simmons. I don't think it's hard to see anybody that wants to trade for, like you said, a player who doesn't shoot the basketball in today's game. Like, you're going to have to bring Ben Simmons back, at least for the first half of the season, only to for him to at least show to other teams he's willing to shoot the ball. Like, there's one thing if you're not a good scorer, he won't attempt to shoot the ball. Like, the, it was very telling when he was in the, in, in the post in the fourth quarter, you spin off Gallinari, and the only thing that was between you and the rim was Trey Young, who's damn near a foot shorter than you, and he wasn't even near you to stop you from dunking the ball. And you pass it to Matisse Thibel, who has two defenders sandwiched between him. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, right. I, that was the, the, the tell-it-all truth. And then also another part as we watched the game, again, I'm watching it, and there was a play off in the second quarter Joel Embiid gets a rebound, and everybody starts to push down court. Ben Simmons calls for the ball, reaches his hand out about halfway, and then just sticks his hand back down. It's like, I don't want it. And the, the ball became a turnover. Danilo Gallinari came right back down, hit a three. So I just said, this man needs a, he needs a strength, a sports therapist. I don't know. But for a point guard to, to not want the ball, or when he gets the ball, pass, he just gives it up as soon as he passes half court. You got to do some real deep soul searching, brother. Yeah. And I was I was really, like, just sitting there thinking of it because I, I seen, you know, Twitter going with their little trade assumptions, talking about Ben Simmons for C.J. McCollum. And that just made me think, if you get a guy that can really handle the ball and score and get him in a pick and roll with Joel Embiid, the Sixers would be damn near unstoppable. With Seth Curry in the corner, Tobias Harris, who can shoot as well. I've seen another scenario that I'm kind of starting to dig, and I really was thinking about this before we got on. I've seen Ben Simmons for Colin Saxton and um, Kevin Love, and I fucking love that trade. I don't know I why, but I love too. it. I, I like that for Philly. If Philly could somehow pull that off, you send uh, Ben Simmons to the basketball depths of hell. Hey, it works out. I mean, Kevin Love is looking, I'm sure he looks to redeem himself. He's not going to have to play high minutes. Colin Sexton, as we've seen, has continued to get better and better. And I always believe one one player who, who's a good player, if he continues to get better, and once you put him around better talent in a winning situation, that they'll, they'll be able to show up and play better. Like, for instance, I always go back to DeMarcus Cousins when he was in Sacramento. Everybody wrote him off saying he was the bad guy. But what do you expect for somebody to do in Sacramento by themselves? We seen him get traded from from Sacramento to New Orleans, and all of a sudden he was a good guy again. And everybody started to to fill Boogie Cousins before he got hurt before the injury. So I think if if I'm Philly, if I if someone is willing to to give me their starting point guard for pretty much the opposite of what they have now, you pull that trade off if you're Philly. If not. Hey, you just got to ride with him. You you have to do your job as a coach and organization to to make him better. I'm sorry, I, I'm not riding with him. I, before the season starts, I don't want no drama. I'm getting him oh, out no, of here. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm calling. I'm calling the T Wolves. I'm calling the Kings, the Pelicans, whoever will take him for a good deal. You got him, bro. Like it don't. I'll trade him <laughs> straight up for D'Angelo. Like just straight up. It don't have to be an extra pick, nothing. We're not going to trade off potential because he's exposed himself. Yep. He's exposed himself, and if anybody falls for that, we already know that's going to be the worst trade in a very long time if you're able to fleece somebody and get three players for one or get two first-rounders for him because he's not he's not worth that, bro. If Shake Milton can come in and, you know, dominate and he's not even supposed to be – he's not even supposed to be looked at as, like, the fifth option. Like, he's just supposed to be a spark. Tyrese Maxey comes in as a rookie 20 years old and he's playing better than you in a closeout game? Nah, man. 
we 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 really have to talk about that. Ben Simmons has to go. This all and then the offseason has so many free agents. I'd trade him to clear up space. Like I said, I'm not gonna take scraps for him, but shit, you offer me like a Harrison Barnes, Buddy Hield in a pick, fucking take it. Like that's that's how I feel about Ben Simmons. Others can feel differently and try to sell him for the high, but come on, man. Let's let's really look at trades in the last five years. You can't trade guys for the high no more unless they're a James Harden type of player. Like, that's the only trades that are going down. So I'm calling everybody, the Pacers, whoever will take him, have him, Portland, whatever. I'll sell him as he'll play a big, he'll play power forward. You guys could get a, a stretch five and you guys would be good. I will sell the fuck out of him. Ben Simmons would be gone. Oh, no, facts. I just know Lakers better not even damn entertain the phone call. But if I'm Philly, I am calling teams up and saying, hey, he, he can play one through five. <laughs> he can do everything. <laughs> Just don't look at him as a scorer. <laughs> you need a bucket. Yeah. Yeah. So surround the team with, with shooters around him. I don't know. Shit. But and I, I just don't see it working out, man. Like, Joel went out there average 31 11 on one leg. And for what? For, for you to do this, to put up five points? In a in a closeout game, that's that that tells me everything. And the thing, and and again, if you just shot the damn ball, if you're being aggressive, I can live with that. This man will get two feet in the paint and just throw the ball out. I I can't live with that at, on my team. I'm sorry. Yeah, not at all. He'd be gone. He'd be gone. But you know, another team got eliminated. Um, the Utah Fraud Jazz. Also got eliminated by the Clippers. No Kawhi Leonard. Um, pretty embarrassing as well. They had multiple leads that could have closed out the games. They ended up losing pretty badly, bad fashion. They were exposed to me because they didn't have guys that could switch. They had a Rudy Gobert. And I'm, I know people want to shit on him, but at the end of the day, bro, I, I'm going to kind of blame coaching because why the hell – I get it. He's Thank defense you. player of the year. But why is he really guarding a guard at the end of the day? Now, everyone Thank can you. act like, oh, y'all thought Terrence Mann was a bum. No, we thought he was a guy that did not have any playing time. So, of course, what are we going to say? He don't deserve to be out there, which is logical. I don't know why people are trying to act like he was some hidden gem that everybody was hating on. No, he's on a championship type of roster. And he's a young guy. We didn't expect him to play this much. If Kawhi was here, he wouldn't have this many minutes. So let's cut that. But at the end of the day, you put any guard out there that is able to put the ball in the basket. Let me fix that. Any guard that's able to put the ball in the basket, that same shit happens. Maybe not 39, but they're going to at least get 20. At least because you're you're. he left him wide open. I don't like how people are acting like, you know, he went and got 39 on mid-ranges, off-screen, all that. Like, I love the game he had because he did was not what he was supposed to, but he stepped up big for them. He was wide open. He hit all the shots he was supposed to hit. I blame coaching. I don't know why Rudy Gobert was out there. Um, He didn't really have better options. I'm not going to lie about that either because Derek Favors can't guard either, but I would have put another guard out there. I know, I know Jordan Clarkson is a liability on defense, but if these guys gonna run all guards, we gonna run all guards, and it is what it is. That's that's just how it has to be. Yeah, man, I, I'm glad that, that that you brought up coaching in this situation because Quinn Snyder definitely put on his best Doc Rivers impersonation. He did not make any in-game adjustments after Kawhi Leonard got hurt, and it burned their asses. First of all, I, I still don't get why everybody was expecting the Utah Jazz to get to the finals in the first place, only because we've been calling them the, the 2021 West Coast Atlanta Hawks for the whole year now. So them losing in the second round doesn't really surprise me. The way they went out, that's a different story. Like you said, salute to Terrence Mann for, for stepping up and playing big. But people, let's not get it twisted, man. Don't tell me y'all expected 39 points from Terrence Mann when y'all see him starting in game six. and and to be, I said it from the beginning, Utah is letting Terrence Mann take warm-up jump shots out there just by being open, standing in an open corner, wherever he was during a play, he was open. So he's going to catch a rhythm. And once a player catches a rhythm, 
on any level of basketball, you're going to feel good. And that basketball rim is just going to get wider and wider. And so what happened? Shot seven for 10 for three. Was attacking the rim. My whole thing is nobody fears Rudy Gobert at the rim. And that's a damn shame. That's where the problem comes in for me. So, and the fact that Quinn Snyder said he was still going to live with that, I thought he should have at least put Joe Ingles back in there or something if, to, to play Nicholas Batum. So, yes, he didn't have the, the greatest options out there, but you got to try something. Your ass is about to get sent home. So, clearly, I don't know what's up with these coaches riding with their superstar players, but I don't know if they don't want to hurt feelings or or they, they just feel too attached to them, but you're not putting your best team in the best situation to win by, by doing that. You see the liability on the court. If we can see it, there's no reason why that you can't make the adjustment. You should, you should be afraid to make that adjustment. Yeah, and an, another big injury, Mike Conley really didn't play this series. He came back and con- he wasn't hobbled, but he wasn't Mike Conley. He was like a B version of himself. So that's another what if, which we're going to get into in all series because of all the injuries that's going on. But, man, if he was healthy, that would have been a little bit different. Maybe not even went to six. The Jazz probably, you know, could have cleaned them boys up. But they lost. You, de- you definitely seen Utah needs to get another ball handler. John, it was too yeah. much It was too much pressure on Donovan Mitchell to initiate the offense, set up the offense, set up everybody else, and still go get his. I think Utah definitely – Rather they resign Mike Conley or not, they definitely still need another point guard and that on that roster to just to just be able to to put everybody in better situations. Yeah, because Joe Ingles is cool, but he's like a he's like a fly by night type of guy. Like one night he'll be going crazy, and the next night he's so average. So I'm not considering him a real ball handler. He can, you know, get the ball to spots, but he's not going to create very well night in and night out. And he's oh, not going to no. put the pressure on himself. Yeah, so. Joe, Joe Ingles is more of a, a of a Swiss Army knight who can do a little bit of everything, but as we've seen, when, when the runs start to get a little bit crazy and emotions start to run high, you need that point guard who's just going to relax everybody, put everybody in, in their places in, and like we said, just, just get everything started. Yeah. And, you know, the last game, the biggest game, um, between Giannis, KD, Nets, Bucks. I'm not going to comment too hard on game seven because I was outside and didn't watch most of the game. I watched some of it. I read narratives on what happened and all that. But we could talk about the series as a whole, but I want you to kind of break down game seven from what you've seen or what could have been adjusted, all that. Yeah, man. Uh, to me, I feel like game seven is usually – you can throw the, the the schemes out the window. You've seen each other for this game. Everybody pretty much knows the sets that they're running. It just came down to to who wanted it more. And then also, to me, it just came down to coaching. I thought there was a few times where Steve Nash could have called a timeout to give Kevin Durant a break, just, about, just a breather, maybe just a, in a minute or two at the end of quarters, at the end of the first quarter in particular, just to, to get, get him a break on defense or something, just rest them. But I, I guess the fear of it was that nobody else could create their own offense. But it was weird because you, we didn't see Mike James at the end of the at towards the end of the series, and I thought he was somebody who played well as far as someone who could get you a bucket, especially when you didn't have James Harden out there. Mike James was cooking for a little bit those games that Brooklyn was gone. What um, James Harden was missing from Brooklyn. Fast forward, James Harden is inserted back into the lineup. And you go away from that. So that got a little tricky also as well to me. But overall from the series, man, you can't ask more from Kevin Durant. I don't care what nobody says. He played 53 minutes out of 53 in a game seven. In a game five, he played 48 out of 48 minutes. Game six, he played all but about seven, eight minutes. So him in overtime missing those shots, it it, it wasn't – it wasn't a direct shot to his game because I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, of course, with their hot takes and narratives saying he couldn't hit a big shot. That wasn't the reason why at all, man. He, he just got tired. He's flat out tired. Ain't nothing else you, he could he could have done at that point. Everybody knows who was shooting the ball. So, I mean, what else was he going to do? And for James Harden, I've seen a lot of people try to, try to shit on James Harden for having a bad game or not playing up to the James Harden we've seen in the past. 
He played with a bad hamstring. He played on one leg, still gave you 22, nine and nine, and, and, and also played the whole game as well. So I, I give my salute to those guys. But at the end of the day, for Milwaukee, I salute them because after games one and two, again, we mentioned it, they turned this, this series into a, a wrestling matchup. And they took on the personality and the aggressive style of P.J. Tucker on defense by just being more physical with everybody. I've seen just watching the series throughout them getting more turnovers, creating turnovers with their defense, them getting offensive calls, just fighting through screens. Those things like that are definitely going to change the series. And I'm going to need people to give Chris Middleton his flowers, man. He is the closer for the Milwaukee Bucks. Too many people disrespect Chris Middleton. And that man went out there and, and got the job done. I, I don't know if people are still expecting Giannis to be that guy as far as taking the big shot or, or anything. But it seems like Giannis is starting to know his game just by the last two games of that series. Of I'm not going to shoot threes. I'm not going to take too many threes. I know game seven he hit a couple. I want to say he went like two for four or something like that. But everything was going downhill to the paint. And even – himself for free throw problems just by staying back with Ben Simmons. He's not afraid. He's still aggressive creating those opportunities to get to the free throw line and, and was starting to knock them down. So I can, I can respect that from a player, but, but how'd you feel overall just from the, from the standpoint of the, of the uh, Bucks in next series? Um, I mean, I already know the narrative is if this person was healthy, blah, blah, blah. I'm not really rocking with that. Because I wanna right. I wanna emphasize that this is what happens when you have top heavy teams. The Lakers just went through it. You know, this has happened multiple times throughout the years. I like more well balanced teams. Now, of course, three superstars on one team should usually win, but you always have to say bearing injuries. So for those guys not to be able like you said, Mike James is cool, he's not Kyrie though. Uh Bruce Brown all those guys can't equal up to James Harden. But it's also the guys like Joe Harris, who has a big contract now, that didn't step up this whole series. He was shit water. Shit water. Blake Griffin was a buyout player who a lot of people felt like cheated the Pistons. He did his thing, but he also didn't step up enough. So I'm just more, this is kind of me preaching to the choir of having a balanced team. Of course, if you know your team, you know, guys you have, like a LeBron who rarely gets injured. If you have a guy like that with two other superstars that don't get injured, then, of course, you have a right to feel like, well, we wouldn't have lost if this didn't happen because, you know, LeBron's injury is very rare. His last couple years with the Lakers, he's had two big injuries. But other than that, his whole career, he ain't really missed nothing. So, it to me, I hope the league goes back to more balance. We will see, but... I don't know, man. Um, like you said, the Bucks did their thing. It's not much to say about them, like bad wise, other than Coach Bud survives another day. He gets lucky again. Very lucky. <laughs> man. But other than that, I kinda um, you know, this is the last, you know, thing to talk about so we can get to it, but I kinda see a clear path to the finals, like the Hawks are good they're better than what we expected but matchup wise and i mean they did they didn't they weren't able to stop uh joel and so i know they're not stopping Giannis. but matchup wise the bucks are able to you know deal with these guys they have scrappy defenders like you said a pj tucker you never know might be on a kevin hoarder and kevin hoarder ain't really been pressed up like that so I don't know, Pat Connington, um, Drew Holiday can be on Trey Young, and we'll see how that works. Just matchup-wise, especially when I look at Giannis, this is a series where obviously Blake couldn't guard him. But if you look at this one, what, John Collins? John Collins is known to be in foul trouble the first two minutes of damn near every single game. So if Giannis doesn't average 30, something's wrong. Something's terribly wrong unless someone else is – like Chris Middleton, like you said, or Drew Holiday is just having a series. But other than that, this is a cakewalk for Giannis. I anticipate Bucks in five, but I would not be surprised if it's Bucks in six. Yeah, man, I like I like Milwaukee in this in this series right here. I would say 
I would say the Bucks in six, and I would say only why I, I would give Atlanta two games. They'll win one just because we we just said Coach Bud, Coach Navy Miller gonna win one game off coaching alone. I think he'll make the right in game adjustments to where it'll fuck Coach Bud up and he won't know what to do as per usual. So I think they can win a game off that alone, and they'll take one back in the A also just because there's some of them players might they'll get that home cooking, they'll feel a little good, but. I expect Milwaukee to be the more physical team. I expect them to set the tone as far as the aggressiveness, physicality. Um, I think Drew Holiday, who who had a bad series against Brooklyn, but he still showed up in clutch moments. And For real. I think he, I, I think he'll have a bounce back series. And Trey Young's gonna see a little bit of everybody from Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, PJ Tucker on on some possessions. So I think they'll make life a little bit more difficult for Trey Young. And and just for the the Hawks perimeter defenders, um, little perimeter players overall, and especially with Bondanovich also taking this D injury, we know he's not 100% healthy, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see, just to see how the series plays out. But like like we said, I expect Milwaukee to just be the more physical team, to for them to to just pretty much just lay on the Bucks and just use their their length and size and and, and get the job done. I keep saying throughout the playoffs, get the job done early, man. Injuries, we still got health and protocols. Like, there's things that could derail a championship. So, guys better not play with they fool, man. They better not play with they fool. Yeah, man, it's funny. Like Luca said in the beginning, Luca Don said in the beginning of the whole season, man, whoever, it's, it's going to come down to whoever is just the most healthy. And we are seeing that play out right now. The team's who pretty much are the healthiest right now are still are still in the, are still in the playoffs right now, which is rightfully so to them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know how to feel about this Clippers and Suns series because can't root for either team. Kawhi's out, Chris Paul's out, so it kind of evens out. But man, Devin Booker had a crazy game one. Very crazy. Uh, Clippers didn't look bad. Boogie came off the bench and was a damn dog, so we might see more of him. Shout I'm out to gonna, Boogie, man. I'm not going to call this series because I hate both teams, but I could see, again, probably Suns in six, maybe seven if Kawhi comes back, but I don't think, like, going back to L.A. is going to be, you know, trouble for the Suns. Like, that's not... It's not the same type of atmosphere when it comes to the Clippers. So I think the Clippers might get one at home, not off home court advantage, just win one and get one in Phoenix. But other than that, I see Phoenix kind of doing their thing. It's not a cakewalk, obviously, because they've had their dry spots. and Paul George and those guys are able to lock down a little bit. But offensively, the Clippers still suck on offense. Like their offense isn't good. It's more of like piggybacking off of something. So I'm going to give them uh, possibly six games, but that's pretty much it. I don't, I don't see them, like, no hating-wise, because I don't, I don't like both teams. I don't see the Clippers being able to, you know, get over the hump without Kawhi. I just want to say that the, Clipper, the Clippers organization, from the, the coaches, well, from Ty Lue to the players, they're all weird, and their fans are weird for them to – expect Laker fans to root for the Clippers after they called our, they said our ring was a Mickey Mouse ring and they planted, they plaster billboards all over the city, sneak this in the Lakers. But now Ty Lue is asking for our support. I'm calling cat. That's that shit ain't happening. Sorry. Not happening over here. And Paul George <laughs> for that little weak ass Palmdale shout out. No, <laughs> I'm I'm not having it. I'm not rooting for them. So it, I guess you can say it's Suns by default. I'm not rooting for the Suns, but I'm expecting the Suns to get out of this series. I will say that. And like you said, man, Book, I, I don't see him being phased of in LA Lights. He just took out the champions, man, in the first round with, with a with a crazy performance of his own in the Staples Center. So I don't I don't expect the Clippers to to pose any fear in them. Um they don't have any real answer for DeAndre Ayton. Out there, also I've noticed just and, and another thing, man, Monty Williams has got this pick and roll action, this pick and roll set going crazy for this team. No matter who's at the point guard position, rather it's Devin Booker running it, 
campaign running it. They they got it running so well, man. They they're hitting different options off just DeAndre Ayton pull up jump shots. They get whatever they want at the rim. They're finding open shooters. So I, I want to see how Tyloo can 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 adjust to that eventually, especially with uh, us not knowing how long Kawhi is out for. So we definitely got to wait and see. But as it is right now, with us not knowing the the severe effects of Kawhi's injury, I think the Suns will get it done in and and five, six, six at the most. Yeah, I, I feel the same way with Suns possibly getting getting it done in five, but I feel like that'll like that seems too obvious to where I feel like they're gonna blow a game. So that's why I said Suns and six, but in my heart, Suns and five, and then you know, Suns versus Bucks, that's gonna be an interesting series. Um Ty Lu obviously can outcoach coach bud but Giannis is just inferior oh no no i'm sorry i said tyloo monty williams can obviously out coach coach bud but Giannis, uh, that's another team where i don't really see the fit i know they're gonna put Drake crowder but he's still he's more of like bully ball he's like pj tucker they're not quick enough to guard certain guys that can move so if Giannis wants to he he could have a night um or have a series, I mean, and win finals MVP. But, shit, the way Chris Middleton's playing, it's like he wants that shit. So, early predictions, Suns-Bucks championship. I'm not going to call it yet just to see where Chris Paul is at and, you know, injuries or whatever else happens. But definitely Suns and Bucks look like the championship uh, play, like the the game. So, I'm pretty interested to see that. Yeah, man, like you said, if it, I'll, I'll wait to, to call a finals prediction just because we want to see how, how injuries and everything plays out. But I, I do got the Suns coming out of the West. I got Milwaukee coming out of the East. At this point, I just want both. I still want both series to be competitive. I don't want to see any sweeps. Hopefully, we don't see any sweeps. But just, again, just just good good basketball play. Hopefully, no one of, of a, an important magnitude or status of a team gets injured. Like, I don't want to see Book going down. I don't want to see a Chris Middleton or a Drew Holiday. Even on the Hawks side, I don't want to see a John Collins or somebody or even like a Kevin Hoyer going down. Like, this final four teams, I hope everybody can stay can stay afloat as best as possible and play through the Knicks and Axe injuries because we, we know, of course, nobody's 100% right now, but we just don't want to see any more seri- – no, no more injuries that can – that can definitely determine a series at this point. Yeah, that's that's all I ask for is just, you know, a clean series, which, you know, sometimes is damn near impossible, but right. you, never, you never know, man. Ho- hopefully it's – I mean, I don't wish injury on anybody, but hopefully it's not a top player and it's more like a Frank Kaminsky or a Pat Connington, somebody that's not going to move the needle. Like those are more right. spark, spark bench players. So, no, no injuries on anybody. Hopefully, but please not to our superstars, so we can really, you know, sit down and watch an interesting finals. Hopefully, it's interesting. I know a lot of people are mad the top guys aren't in it, but shit, this is the new NBA, and I've been saying a lot of people were like, "Oh, we got the best young guys," and now all of a sudden they don't like it. I've been saying I ain't really like the new NBA just because of excuse me, the shit that's been going on, the softness and all that. But, you know, the league is in Trey Young, Luka, Giannis, those type of guys. It's, it's in their hands right now. So if you love basketball, you're just going to deal with it. And that's what I've done. And now I'm, you know, falling in love again with certain type of players and, you know, certain type of play style. So it's going to be interesting. Um, you know me, man. I'm I'm like drooling over the – off season and what's going to happen there. So my mind is there. Um, we already talked about, you know, early predictions and stuff, but I just, I honestly just can't wait for the off season. Oh, for sure, man. We got the first step in it. We got the draft lottery happening before game two of the, of the Clippers and Suns. So that could get interesting in itself alone. That just sets the tone for the off season as far as trades that can happen before the NBA draft and whatnot. 
But just speaking on trades really quick, man, give me your thoughts on Boston um, trading Kemba Walker to OKC for, for Al Horford back. That was dirty, man. That, that See, people like people had a lot of opinions on it. I just looked at it. And again, I'll admit it because this is this is a podcast that's recorded. You know, you can run it back. This feels like when, remember how I just was like, eh, when Chris Paul got traded to the Suns and now look. So I, yeah. I, I don't want to, you know, jump off the needle, but this, <laughs> I woke I woke up seeing the trade and I was like, eh. Then I started reading more and I thought about it. I'm like, wait, Brad Stevens is, you know, the top guy. So is he saying like that was his problem? Because in my head, I just knew Marcus Smart was going to be the first one to be traded because his contract is so good for Same. his value. He's, he's only he only has 12.5 million bumps up to maybe 13 million and his value is his value at 13 million you don't have to overpay for him like I for sure thought he would be going first I knew I knew Kimba would get traded to a team that wasn't really you know his fit or like a contender and I don't really want to say a contender because he hasn't really ever been a contender but you know what I mean like I knew he wasn't going to get traded and get the respect yeah, yeah. I, I, in my head, I was like, he could possibly get traded back to Charlotte somehow. I could see him getting traded to the Thunder. I keep thinking about the Timberwolves and the Kings because that's just like basketball hell as well. And I thought about the Cavs, but the Thunder were easily in one of my top picks. But in my head, I thought they would give up a pick, but they got a pick. So that's that's when in my head the trade started to get weird. I'm like, why the fuck? Would you give up your 16th pick for Al Horford and Moses Brown? But then I thought about it. I'm like, well, is anybody in the draft around that area going to be better than Moses Brown? And I was like, nah, not really. So the Celtics kind of got what everybody's been begging for in height and, you know, physicality with Al Horford. And then Moses Brown, obviously, he's 7'2", 7'1". So if he continues to develop, it's not a bad trade for the Celtics. It was just like, oh, what the fuck? Like, why? I, I I, mean, I knew you could trade during the playoffs, but I just thought it was like an unwritten rule, like, just let shit die Same. down and then trade. So that's what really threw me off. Like, wait, why the fuck does it say trade? Yeah, I, that shit threw me for a loop. Like, I, I, I definitely thought you could not do that. Like you said, just it's one of those unwritten rules. You just let that go. But when I woke up and saw it, I was just like, huh? Like you said, just kind of just like a head scratcher for me. Uh, I don't think Kimber Walker stays in, in OKC just because yeah. they, they want that to be Shea's team. Shea's going to be the, the, the floor general for that team. He's going to have the ball in his hands. Pairing him next to Kimber will just be the opposite of that. So eventually, I'm sure we'll see Kimber Walker get traded. Hey, I want to stop you right there. I want to stop you right there because I've been seeing that a lot. In your eyes, is Kimber a ball stopper? It depends. It depends who you put him around because in Boston, I would say we didn't know he could. I wouldn't call him a ball stopper in Boston because we didn't know how Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum together were pan out. I didn't think Jalen Brown would be this far in his offensive in his offensive game yet. Kind of seeing already from Jason Tatum, and it just seems like every time those three are on the court together, it was just it was just a, a weird fit. Like the offense was kind of out of out of sorts. Like no one can. At, all, like all three would never be on the same rhythm at at the same point. So it's it's kind of tough. I think in this in in this part of Kemba's career, depending who you put him put him with, he could be considered a ball stopper. It's tough to admit, but it is what it is. Damn, that's I don't know. It's like I watched enough Celtics games to understand exactly what you're saying with the rhythm. But it's like I guess that ball stopper narrative has just been going on all year and I've been ignoring it because it's like I've watched Kimba be the spot-up shooter and let Jalen Brown and Tatum you know dribble the goddamn clock out especially Tatum so that's why I was confused oh, but Jason Tatum I, I, will, get, will, will shake your ass for 17 seconds yeah and like your pull back that's and, why I'm like are guys shooting. forgetting are they are they do they mean Kimba but after the trade everyone's like nah he's not gonna be there because Shea is there and he's gonna stop the ball and I'm like damn like that's Kimba's rep right now? Like, do people really think that? So maybe 
maybe you're right. Maybe it is just where he's surrounded, but I, I don't see him playing for the Thunder either. I just didn't like that whole ball stuff thing because it was confusing me. Like, am I is my eyes going bad when it comes to Kimba? Because I just haven't seen that. But I don't know. I guess I got to hey, pay more attention way. to you. Put it this way. Philly better go call OKC for, for Kemba Walker. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, put, Philly, I don't know, man. It, Philly. He's an upgrade from Ben Simmons, so shit. Yeah, but he'll get exposed just like Curry did. Yeah, be I just two guys about that. Yeah, true. That's what I really thought the problem was. I was like, they had no size, and then it don't help that their point guard is 5'10", 5'11". That's really what I thought the problem was. I didn't think the ball starter thing was a problem. So it's going to be hard for Kimba to find a home. Um, we already you, – you already know we're going to get into our offseason predictions. Well, not predictions, but our hopes and stuff like that. And you, that's one of the guys on my list, man. Go go ahead. Go team with Braun. Let's, let's, let's get it done. I don't give a fuck what nobody's talking about. Yeah, man, I'd love to see Kimba in a purple and gold, man. That's – that, this this seems like a right fit for him. And I'll say another name now before we get out of here. Like you said, you know, we'll get further into our offseason predictions and what we want to see. But, man, bring the Brody on home, man. Bring, hey. bring the Brody back in a purple and gold, man. Y'all y'all really sit here trying to, trying to convince people that the Lakers should go trade for Ben Simmons. Man, <laughs> stop it right now. Go get, go get, go get Brody up out of, out of Washington, man. Like, if y'all are willing to put up with Ben Simmons, I will be glad to put up with Russell Westbrook. After the whole year, y'all didn't want to – y'all want to sit here and slander this man for, for having bad shooting nights. But guess what? He going to shoot the ball bad and still end up with a triple-double. So I can live with that then, then five points and you not shooting the ball when I need you the most. Yeah, on two shots. But, man, I'm going to say this. Bring Brody to L.A., I guarantee he's top top five, top seven in Jersey sales. He's definitely going to be a main attraction in Los Angeles. I think, I'll get a Westbrook jersey. Easily. I think people, and I've been, you know, I've been separating myself for years, but even now with LeBron fans here, every year LeBron fans need this, they need that, they need this, we got to trade this. We, people aren't looking out for the Lakers' future, except for real Laker fans, not even, not even casual Laker fans who are, you know, talking about Luke and Zion being our future. Fuck out of here. Let's really think about it. An AD and Westbrook connection for a couple of years after LeBron's gone? Give it to me. I don't care what nobody's talking about. Russ, you know, he's played bad, but he's also played good. We've seen him lead this team. We've seen him defer to Bradley Bill when everyone thought he wouldn't. Bradley Bill had one of his best seasons. Another guy that's had a great season with Westbrook. (laughs) Give him to me, man. AD and LeBron would love to have a guy that wants to score and wants to take over and actually can and not throwing up bullshit like Dennis Schroeder or KCP or THT, even though he's still young. It's just none of those guys combined amount to Russell Westbrook. And then his speed, everything. Like you said, we'll get to it another day, but I want him so bad. You know, I'm going to advocate every time. Him and DeMar is, like, my top guys that I want on Lakers next year. All right, so then another thing, too, just real quick before we get on out of here, you brought up uh, Bill's name. How do you feel about the all-NBA teams, man? I'm going to let you speak on that real quick, and I'll tell you how I felt about them. I mean, you know, I was pissed. There's no Westbrook. Um, I'm trying to think. Somebody else got snubbed, but the biggest snub to me was Westbrook. You don't put Bill there and not put Westbrook because Westbrook led that team. I kind of talked about it on Twitter, but if you guys don't follow me, I'm going to get into it real quick. They had two weeks of COVID. They started, what, damn near 15 games under 500. They climbed their way back. Russell does another amazing triple-double season that wasn't just, you know, what do you want to call that, stat stuffing. It was actually they needed him to do that. He did it. They had multiple bearing injuries. Ryu was out for a long time. They had Ish in and out the lineup with them. Even Bradley Bill was hurt a little bit. Westbrook was a goddamn warrior this year. He he was the ultimate, you know, pro. That team, like I said, you don't go damn near 15 games under 500 and miss two weeks of playing because this was COVID. So they couldn't train or nothing. People forget that. They couldn't be in the facility. 
and you come back and, and you you go on a win streak. Like, come on, man. We, I I don't care about anybody else on the little all NBA teams because I said before it came out that you know these these awards don't hold that much weight to me no more. But that that was a travesty. Like, come on, bro. Yeah, it was funny. I think people forget Russell Westbrook had a had a knee injury also this year too, and still kept his head down, didn't make no excuses, didn't let a hard time humble him. He still came out and showed out. And and just my thoughts real quick on on all NBA teams. I like you said, man, Bill making it, but Westbrook not. I thought that was a slap in the face. And then also seeing like Jimmy Butler making the team when he missed a lot of games this season over guys like uh, a Jason Tatum or Donovan Mitchell, who I thought were were more valuable to their teams. I thought I thought they could he he could have missed out on it. Also thought um, Kyrie Irving with as much time as he missed that he 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 couldn't have been he couldn't have made the team, and I would have been okay with that. But I guess with him having a 50, 40, 90 season, people wanted to to reward that. But at the same time, this man took a two week paid vacation when he wanted to. So it's hard for me to consider someone an all NBA performer when you literally choose when you want to play basketball. Yeah. And that, that goes in the media as well. I don't get it. Like the media hates him, but all of a sudden he has to be on the team. Get out of here, man. Let's take the media out of this. I don't know who, maybe just players should vote, even though that's a lot of haters in this league. I think players, it should only just be players and head coaches, man. And, you know, still have the same little five, four, three-point system. But it definitely needs to be more authentic because the media is pushing their own narratives. And it's disgusting to watch, man. It's disgusting. Yeah, man, definitely for sure. Like, like, And then you can also throw in, you know, GMs and and, and bas- president of basketball operations because they are putting these teams together too. So they, they have some... Yeah. Some type of say so also as well, but but yeah, the players they know what they're going against. They see it every day. So I I'm really starting to believe these NBA media outlet uh, personnel they're they're not watching the game. Like I I don't think a lot of these people are watching basketball. They're just going off of what they see on Twitter. Honestly, yeah, and even they called it out. There was a Canadian reporter that voted Fran, Fred Van Fleet for all uh, defense first team. And that was the only vote that Fred Van Fleet got and come and comes out of Canada. Come on, bro. We're not doing that. Let, let's cut this shit out. Everybody don't have a voice. I I mean, I respect how they got their position, but a writer is not going to ever tell me who's more important when it comes to a player telling me. And I've always said that. You know me. I've always said, I care what a player says about another player before I care what a goddamn Skip Bayless or Stephen A says. Yeah, sometimes they have good points and they could do calculations and stats and analytics. But if Russ Westbrook comes up to me and tells me, nah, Damian Lillard is one of the best guys in the league, I'm going to listen to him because it's Westbrook. He knows what it takes to be the best, even though he's not the best. He knows what it takes, so I'm going to listen to that guy because he's on the court. He knows the work they put in. He knows who he's guarding. He knows who he's going up against. These guys ain't on the court at the end of the day. And I don't I don't shit on journalists saying, oh, they never played the sport. I'm not that type of guy. It's just when it comes down to certain things like this or defense or MVP, they their voice doesn't hold more weight than a guy on the court. Man, you said it right there. I couldn't have said it none better, no better than that, man. And with on that note, we'll we'll leave y'all with, with this right here, you know. And and once again, before we go on out of here, as we always say, we like to support, protect Black women. We want to continue to push the youth in the right direction, be there for them, and and just hopefully, man, just y'all enjoy these playoffs. That's that's coming forward, man. The season's coming to an end as far as the NBA, but basketball never stops. So hopefully, yeah. again, you guys you guys be tapped into to what's next to come between the, the Olympic Games, between Big Three, if you got a chance to make it down to the Drew League or, or stream the Drew League, go ahead and do that also as well. But basketball never stops, man. Y'all continue to, to go ahead and support your teammates and just watch the game and, and go ahead and and hopefully we, we tell y'all about a thing or two that y'all can take away from every time y'all listen, man.
Yes, sir, man. And, you know, like we always say, thank you for the continued support. Um, you know, we just love talking hoops, man. We're going to keep going. Let's, let's, you know, continue to just watch some good hoops, man. Like it, it's, it's, it's exciting. Let's, let's continue to push our narratives. Um, we love the discussions, you know, hop in our DMs, hop on our mentions, you know, talk to us, man. We, we talk back, but salute to y'all. Yes, sir, man. On that note, we out. Peace. Click the subscribe button and make sure to follow us on our Instagram page at Ball Never Lie Pod and our Twitter page, BNL underscore podcast.